Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Not known for its stylistic inversions or deconstructions of form, Star Trek is a franchise that relies on the fourth wall a great deal in order to create the escapism that the Utopian Federation embodies. That's not to say that it can't cheekily wink or even wave at the camera from time to time, though. And with 50 years of history and plenty of self to reference, there's more than a few times that the crews have gone boldly through the wall and right into your living rooms. With that in mind, then, I'm Ellie with Trek Culture, and here are 10 times Star Trek broke the fourth wall. Number 10. Dealing with Ferengi in The Price Before they came to be the greedy little intergalactic clowns we all love, there was a time where Gene Roddenberry genuinely thought the Ferengi would be a legitimate threat to follow the Klingons. Although their ultra-capitalist worldview does indeed put them at odds with the post-money ethos of the Federation, their diminutive stature and slightly goofy appearance made taking them seriously as a villain particularly difficult. Sure enough, following a disastrous introduction in Season 1, subsequent Ferengi appearances in The Next Generation had them demoted to bumbling secondary villains and comic relief. When a wormhole to the Gamma Quadrant opens near the planet Barzan 2, and delegations are sent to procure rights to its use, the Ferengi are naturally at the table. Characteristically bullish in their negotiations, the Ferengi employ bribes, aggression, and even poison in their bid for the wormhole. Captain Picard eventually finds himself at the receiving end of Damon Goss's ire and reacts the only way a sane man can, with an exasperated look directly down the camera lens. While some may argue that this is just a mistake as opposed to a fourth wall break, it's worth noting that Patrick Stewart is a very highly regarded Shakespearean actor, and logic would state he's professional enough to not look at the camera during takes. Furthermore, this isn't a blink-and-you'll-miss-it moment, but a full stare Parks and Rec style at the kind of idiocy with which he is forced to suffer. Call it a slip-up or a fourth wall break. Whatever the case, we've all been there. Number 9. Cisco's personal log in In the Pale Moonlight if we're being completely honest, it may be a bit of a stretch to call this episode a fourth wall break, but it means I get to talk about In the Pale Moonlight, so I'm going to accept it. Set in the midst of the Brutal Dominion War, the episode is told in flashback as a tired and dejected Captain Sisko relays his personal log of the depths to which he will sink in order to win the war. The Federation is on the back foot, and the only way out would seem to be forming an alliance with the Romulans, who maintain a non-aggression treaty with the Dominion. Throughout the episode, the narrative 
occasionally pans back to the present as Sisko recounts his tale to his personal log. Knowing full well that Starfleet is supposed to be a paragon of morality, Sisko winces at every red line he has to cross, including bribery, forgery, trafficking, restricted goods, and even accessory to two separate murders. As the tale unfolds, actor Avery Brooks increasingly delivers his monologue straight to the camera, as if he is looking for validation or forgiveness from fans who have just spent seven years enjoying the ethical purity of Jean-Luc Picard. After questioning if he can live with himself and deciding he can, Sisko deletes the log, but we're all left knowing, as much an accessory as he is. Number 8. Eisenberg Class in Die Trying a series with as much history as Star Trek is bound to get pretty self-referential from time to time, with the occasional meta-nods to fans and tributes to the things that made Star Trek possible. In Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery, the crew are hurled into the far future in an attempt to evade the psychotic AI control, and find themselves looking upon a galaxy barely held together following the cataclysmic burn. After several episodes of searching, the crew eventually manages to track down the beleaguered remnants of Starfleet, hidden away behind a distortion field as a shadow of their former selves. Having not seen any Starfleet ships besides their own in this time period, the crew are overjoyed to see many, and even managed to spot the USS Voyager J, the 11th ship to bear the name following the original famously captained by Catherine Janeway. Alongside these ships, although not mentioned in the episode, is the USS Nog. Much like Voyager, the reference of Nog is obvious, Starfleet's first Ferengi who proved to be a pivotal officer during the Dominion War. However, less obvious is the specification of the Nog. Eisenberg class, named for Aaron Eisenberg, the actor who played Nog on Deep Space Nine and who tragically passed away in 2019 during the production of Discovery Season 3. Although not a huge self-referential banner held up to the audience, the inclusion is a small tribute for devoted fans to find, and a testament to the legacy of one of Star Trek's most underrated characters. Number 7. I'm a Doctor in various Voyager episodes Whilst Beam Me Up Scotty is the most well-known yet apocryphal quote from the original series, another recurring catchphrase with some legs is the consistently exhausted protestation of Dr. McCoy. I'm a doctor, not a... a reference to the thing he isn't yet being asked to do. The phrase is first heard in its traditional form in the first season episode The Devil in the Dark, where McCoy protests he is not a bricklayer when asked to treat a rock-like silicon-based life form. He would go on to utter the phrase many more times over the course of the original show, with the phrase even cropping up in the Kelvin timeline iteration in the 21st century movies. So iconic is the phrase that Trek couldn't resist a chance to reference it with a few oblique references from Dr. Bashir in Deep Space Nine, but most notably as a running joke from Voyager's own emergency medical hologram, The Doctor. Sci-fi staple Robert Picardo first used the phrase before he'd even been cast, with The Doctor's inability to deactivate his own program reference within his audition scene. Once the crew had left, Picardo's line was, I believe someone has failed to terminate my program. Before he decided to ad-lib, I'm a doctor, not a nightlight. The producers were clearly impressed, as not only did they cast Picardo, but decided to add this little bit of sass to his character. The phrase would crop up again and again over the series' run, including Picardo's cameo in the first Contact movie, and whether you find it joyful or nauseating, it's a phrase that will likely follow the show for many more years to come. Number 6. The Last Word in Journey to Babel a far 
cry from the more self-serious and contemplative shows that would follow it, the original series was a great example of inherent 60s corniness. With shoddy special effects and unnecessarily sexy costumes, it was one of many authentic, if occasionally problematic, relics of the time. Part of this kitschy charm came from the sort of quips often employed by Kirk and his crew, both to each other, supporting characters, and on at least one occasion, the audience itself. Journey to Babel marks the first appearance of Spock's father, Sarek, a character who would go on to appear in The Next Generation and form a pivotal part of the recent discovery. During a diplomatic conference on the planet Babel, Sarek is accused of murder, but the investigation is derailed as he succumbs to a heart defect requiring emergency surgery. Whilst McCoy has him on the table, Kirk is stabbed by the real culprit, but following a tense battle with a rogue starship, justice is served. With all those loose ends tied up, Sarek's surgery is a success and Kirk can finally relax or collapse from his stab wound. Following an episode rife with emergency surgery, political intrigue, murder, assault and suicide, McCoy takes this opportunity to order his captain to lie still and be quiet, gleefully looking at the camera and enjoying getting the last word. Real smooth, Bones. Real smooth. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Number 5. We do not discuss it with outsiders in trials and tribulations. Few species in the Star Trek canon are as iconic as the Klingons. With their language, traditions, and iconic bat-lefts, you'd be hard-pressed not to spot one in a lineup, with or without facial ridges. Wait, without facial ridges? Although Klingons have been portrayed with their customary cranial features since the beginning of The Next Generation, in the original series they appeared almost completely human, creating a sort of continuity error that a show with this much time travel simply had to address. Deep Space Nine's Trials and Tribulations takes place concurrently with the original series The Trouble with Tribbles, and sees the crew of The Defiant travelling back in time to stop a genetically disguised Klingon from assassinating Captain Kirk. During their time undercover, several smooth-faced Klingons walk into the bar whilst Worf, O'Brien and Bashir sit and observe. 
When Worf's human friends note the difference in appearance, Worf bluntly responds, We do not discuss it with outsiders. Whilst Enterprise would later go on to canonize the difference as a result of genetic engineering going wrong, in the meantime, we all got to enjoy this little meta joke from the writers as they shrugged and declared, Your guess is as good as ours. Number 4. Denise's Goodbye Wave in Symbiosis Despite all its strengths, one of the enduring failures of the next generation was the squandered potential of Lieutenant Tasha Yar. Despite a promising start as a strong feminist role model, as well as a troubled backstory unusual for Star Trek at the time, no episodes truly gave the character room to grow. Feeling like she was in a rut, actress Denise Crosby made the decision to leave in the first season, being unceremoniously bumped off in the wildly divisive Skin of Evil. Although the anticlimactic tussle with the angry space scoop would be Yar's final appearance, the shooting schedule actually meant that Crosby's final filmed scene in season one would instead be the earlier episode Symbiosis. The episode, like many in Star Trek's canon, deals with the ethical quandaries of the Prime Directive, as Picard struggles to decide his course of action over one civilization addicting another to a drug by passing it off as a treatment for a fictional plague. In a final scene, Picard subverts the Directive by allowing the drug to be shipped but not repairing the freighter carrying it, thus breaking the cycle of addiction. Although about 40 yards in the background, this would prove to be Crosby's last scene during her time on Star Trek, and she takes the opportunity to give the camera and her fans a quick wave over Captain Picard's shoulder. Although alternate realities and cloning would allow Yar to return in one form or another, for now this fourth wall break was a cheeky little send-off to a truly underappreciated character. Number 3. Put on a red shirt in Star Trek Into Darkness Star Trek has been around long enough to be memeable to a fault, and one of the most enduring memes is that of the red shirt. Jokingly applied to the legions of unnamed crewmen from security and engineering sent on away missions with their plot-armored officers, the red-shirted human shield served as a way to communicate the peril of the situation without damaging anyone whose name is in the opening credits. Understandable, then, is the reaction of Ensign Chekhov in Star Trek Into Darkness when asked to don one. Following an assault on Starfleet headquarters, quarters by the enigmatic John Harrison, Captain Kirk and his crew are tasked with covertly following Harrison to the Klingon homeworld and executing him without trial. The ethics of such a mission understandably ruffle the feathers of several of Kirk's officers, and this alongside the loading of unscannable and experimental torpedoes is enough to warrant Chief Engineer Scott's resignation. Needing a new officer in engineering, Kirk decides to promote Chekhov to the role, and his first duty is to put on a red shirt. In a subtle nod to fans in the know, actor Anton Yelchin pulls a face somewhere between distinct shock and mild terror, as apparently everyone in-universe knows what the red shirt entails as well. Although all characters manage to make it through the events of the film, despite Kirk's own brief fatality, this is one fourth-wall-smashing moment of levity amongst a film with some pretty hefty moral baggage. Number 2. This Wink in The Infinite Falcon there's the metaphor of winking at the camera, then there's literally winking at the camera. Often the overlooked series in the franchise, the animated series served to finish the five-year voyage of the Enterprise crew following the cancellation of its live-action predecessor. Whilst retaining the DNA of its original, the animated nature allowed Roddenberry and co. to play around with the less physically plausible aspects of sci-fi, however wacky they may be. The Infinite Falcon is one such example of this, with Spock kidnapped by a giant augmented human on a 
the planet of plant people so that he can clone the Vulcan and create a master race to keep peace. Oh, that was the most bizarrely sci-fi sentence I have ever said. Once Spock is saved and the crew can return to their journey, Kirk asks Sulu to teach him a body throw that he had used on a plant person earlier in the episode. When Sulu remarks that you need to be inscrutable, Kirk jokingly responds that Sulu is the most scrutable person that he knows. At which point Sulu turns to the camera and winks. Notwithstanding, trying to work out if Sulu's being insulted or not, and that the Asian-American character is the one who knows martial arts moves, go figure. The wink is such a bizarre addition to an already bizarre episode. Sure, it breaks the fourth wall, but at what cost? Number 1. Some kind of Star Trek in Star Trek The First Contact just like the ones found in Christmas Crackers, the groaning-juicing joke is a concept we can all share, having been the victim of one on many occasions in each of our lives. Within the realm of film and television, there's nothing more groaning-juicing than crowbarring a reference to the title within a script. And in First Contact, the Star Trek franchise has you covered. One of the better entries in Star Trek's decidedly mixed bag of movies, First Contact finds the Borg travelling back in time to prevent Zephyr and Cochrane's first warp flight, curtailing First Contact with the Vulcans and ultimately ending the Federation before it even begins. Witnessing Earth turning into a Borg sphere before their very eyes, the Enterprise follows the Borg through the time portal with the intention to fix the timeline. Whilst half of the crew stay on board the ship to defend it against a Borg incursion, Riker and Troy beam down to the surface to ensure that Cochrane's flight goes off without a hitch. Having grown up on stories of the hero who began the Federation, the pair are shocked to find a grumpy alcoholic more interested in rock and roll than engineering. Seeing no way to help him without breaking the Temporal Prime Directive, the officers reveal their origin and the importance of his mission. Trying to wrap his head around it all with possibly the cheesiest line in all of sci-fi, Cochrane asks, You people, you're all astronauts on some kind of Star Trek? Ugh. Hold up, what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.